Well, good morning, everybody. I, hey, welcome to Bethany, West Seattle. Uh, if we've never met, my name is Prentice. I get the privilege to be lead pastor here. Uh, and I'm so glad that you joined us uh, this morning. Uh, and uh, I'll just start off with this. You'll notice that as you walked in, uh, some people have decided to uh, forego wearing a mask, and some decided to continue. And that's okay no matter what you choose. We do ask that uh, if you are vaccinated, then yes, the, the mask is optional. Otherwise, we ask that you do put one on, especially uh, indoors. Uh, but for the, the thing is, uh, as a pastor, and maybe you have all experienced this too, uh, in your place and maybe your home or your, your social circles, is that there's a lot of things that have divided us over the last year and a half. Uh, and for me, in this role, masks have been one of those subjects and topics. And so I just want to say, let's just refrain from making any assumptions uh, about someone who chooses to do something differently. Uh, especially if you are wearing a mask. There's a lot of people that wear, have decided to wear a mask for a variety of different reasons. And so uh, let's sit here in grace, in, in love, and in unity, especially when it comes to something like this. And so, yes, today's going to look a little different for, for us and as you look around. And so uh, at the same time, we're excited that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that things are moving forward, especially here in Washington and Seattle and our church and we're having kids. And uh, can we just give another round of applause just for the kids stuff and... And just knowing that uh, this is a church, we want to be a church for the family, for the, for the kids, as Jesus says. And so with that said, uh, and it's a good segue, that we are continuing to unpack the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, patience, joy. And today we're going to hone in on peace. And we're going to look at what Jesus says in one of what many would say the most important sermon in all of history, and that is the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And today we're going to focus just on one verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It, said, it says, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. We thank you that we have gathered to worship, to be in community, to pray, to reach out to you, to learn from you. And God, in a time of so much division in subjects that polarize us, we ask that you use us to be agents of peace, not creators of chaos and disruption, and hurt, and pain. We thank you for all that you're doing. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Well, a couple weeks ago, uh, my friends and I, and when I say friends, fellow pastors, and uh, outside of Bethany, pastors around the Pacific Northwest, <clears throat> we had a chance to get away and to, and to retreat together so we can uh, spend some time praying for one another, spend some time just listening to one another, especially uh, when we had friends and colleagues from different parts of the Pacific Northwest, all the way from, you know, south, south, southern Washington, all the way to Bellingham. Uh, and I was so excited for this time of retreating uh, with colleagues because it's, it's a world where we would understand one another. 
and we would get one another. And it was interesting because I went in with a little trepidation because we were all coming in from different contexts in different locations, like some from the city, like here, West Seattle, in Seattle, some from rural parts of Washington or even northern parts of Washington. And as excited as I was, uh, I went in with a little bit of skepticism because I know, and I've been to especially big pastors' conferences before, maybe this is similar to your vocation, uh, that when pastors especially get into the same room, it ends up being uh, a space of competition, maybe a space of uh, a lack of vulnerability and inauthenticity just to kind of uh, talk about their own credentials. And I, and I do this too. It's just something that happens. And, and, and I went in thinking, okay, I really hope this or that is not what it comes down to. I hope that this space that I've been looking forward to, to just share my life and share the struggles that we've been through as a pastor, as leaders in the past year and a half, I hope it's a place that we can do that. And lo and behold, it was, it was that. It was one o'clock in the afternoon and one of the pastors, I won't name the church, comes out and breaks out and says, who's ready for a glass of whiskey? And that's when I knew this one would be a little bit different. We knew, and I knew that we were going to get real. And, and although that we've come from all walks of life in different churches and different contexts, uh, there were a few things that we had in common. And it was this, many of us, we experienced loss. We experienced in our own churches a massive amount of division. We lost people from our church. Our church not being uh, excluded from that. We were sharing that it's something that we had in common is that people left uh, because many of our churches, including our church, was too liberal. People left because we were too conservative. They thought we were too Republican. They thought we were too Democrat or Democratic. They, they thought of all these different things and they left. This division and being polarized became a theme that we can all resonate with from the churches that we serve. And finally, the friend that organized this retreat, this unofficial retreat, uh, stands up and says, hey, you know what, my friends, this, this next few days, in the midst of all that chaos, in the midst of all that loss, in the midst of us resonating with one another, how much division we have all experienced, particularly in the church, these next couple days, I want this to be about you and us experiencing Peace. Peace. Peace is such an, it's an interesting word as we, as, we, as we talk about this, this verse in Matthew that we are to be peacemakers, people that make peace. I want to unpack a little bit uh, of this understanding of this word peace. It's an interesting word because oftentimes when we think about peace, it oftentimes describes simply an absence of of conflict. But you see, when it comes to the Christian faith, it's much deeper than that. Peace in the, in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, is this word Irenaeus. And this word Irenaeus comes from a Hebrew word, which many of you may have heard is the word shalom. 
But what you might not know about this word shalom then, it comes from a word that describes stone or brick. It's actually a word of, uh, that describes construction and architecture. And when we build things or when they build things, especially in the Old Testament days, when a brick or rock that's stacked up to build a structure like tabernacles and, that, and temples and altars, they look for stones and bricks without blemish, without cracks, without any brokenness in the material. And, and if that was the case and that stone, that rock, that brick had shalom. It was when, you know, especially earlier in this pandemic, when many of us, we took on new house projects, right? Or new gardening projects, or maybe it was baking sourdough or, or whatever it was. We, many of us took on projects. And one of the projects that I took on was to build a deck in our backyard for our outdoor COVID space. Now, I've never built anything like that in my entire life. I, and so, you know, what did I do? I went on, I went on YouTube, and I learned how to build a deck on YouTube. And I went to Home Depot. A terrible idea, by the way, because some, some channels are better than others. And I happened to pick not the good one. Uh, but, but it's okay. Uh, I go to Home Depot, and along with, you know, the rest of the world. And I'm there, and I'm looking for lumber, uh, especially deck boards. Uh, and many of them are cracked or maybe they're broken or, you know, a lot of them just don't look good. And so I keep on going through and going through and finally I'm picking out ones uh, that didn't have any blemishes, that didn't have any cracks or any breaks in it. And those deck boards are what they would have called those boards have shalom. And so in today's modern Western understanding of shalom or peace, it's just simply this absence of conflict. Uh, but the Bible takes it 10 steps further and saying it's more than just an absence of conflict. It's when people are thriving. It's when you are thriving. It's when relationships are thriving. It's complete. It's whole. It has total harmony from head to toe, inside and out. That's the kind of peace that we are called to make, to create, to cultivate, to encourage, to want. That's hard. That's challenging because it's much easier to create just an absence of conflict, right? You say, I'm sorry. Or maybe you don't even mean it, but you just say it just because you don't want to argue anymore. Or you walk away or you just stop shouting or whatever it is. And there you go, peace, absence of conflict. And what the Bible is saying and teaching us and calling us to is like, that's just the beginning, the goal is not just an absence of conflict, but it's for you and your relationships to thrive. And based on the year that all of us have had, and many of us are still going through, it's not quite over yet, though we see at the light at the end of the tunnel, we're still in it. That kind of peace seems so far away. So far away, even at best. And sometimes absolutely feels unattainable at worst. There's been so much division in our lives. Bickering, anger, hurt, pain. And for a variety of different reasons, not just the pandemic, but the racial injustice that we've seen and experienced, the politics, 
how to navigate a pandemic, to wear a mask, to not wear a mask. And I'll tell you what, in the last year and a half, I was shocked to find out amongst my circle of friends and even at our church, my friends, I didn't realize we had so many epidemiologists and virologists, but apparently we do. And so thank you for those emails. But really, I've seen so much of that, and maybe you have to in your own lives. And not to mention, there's a backdrop of this insidiousness of loneliness due to isolation and mental illness concerns and a sense of just deep loss just seeping in in the midst of all of that. And I bet many of us, if not all of us, we experience, if not some or all of these. The rate of depression and anxiety tripled over the last year. And it's something that I've, to be candid, something I've been navigating with, with a big part of my life since college. A couple weeks ago, if you were here, I was preaching. And in the middle of my preaching, I had an anxiety attack. And, and maybe you noticed it or maybe you didn't. And I just remember thinking, in the middle of this sermon, I need to get off this stage immediately. So I remember I, I said, well, here are my three points today, and let's get started. And right after point one, I was like, we need to end this. So I apologize for you note takers with all three points. You didn't quite get it because I had to exit. Because I, like many of you, have felt this absence of peace, of this wholeness, of completeness inside of my very soul. And at that moment, I had to get off the stage. And right after service, Taylor and, and some folks from the worship team, they gathered around me here on this stage, and I was just bawling uncontrollably. So thank you for those prayers. But these are the things that we navigate, and I know I'm not the only one. Anti-anxiety medications went up by nearly four, 34% just over the year and a half, and I'm not saying they're bad. In fact, I've benefited from them. But it sheds light in a society, in a world of where we're at. Rates of addiction increases over the last year and a half. Same with the rates of suicide and attempts of suicide, especially within adolescent girls. I've personally lost friends to this. Within the last year and a half, I've seen families being torn apart due to politics Friendships destroyed. I've lost friends myself, and maybe you have too. And sometimes over something as trivial as a Facebook post that they may have disagreed with. I've seen marriages split. And although we're climbing out of this, again, slowly but surely we're climbing out of this, it does seem like the journey of recovery is a long road ahead. Now, I bet if I asked you this morning as you sit in your seats to just think about somebody or a group of people in your life where sadly peace has vanished. And maybe it's something uh, where this existed long before this year and a half of this pandemic. Maybe it last, has started years and years and years ago. Maybe with a friend, a spouse, a family member, a neighbor. I bet if I asked you to think of somebody, you probably could. 
where you know that this peace that God is talking about, a wholeness between you and the other, a completeness, a harmony has just vanished for whatever reason. And then I bet if I asked you, within that broken or severed relationships, if you desired peace, not just an absence of conflict, but an actual peace that requires restoration and reconciliation and wholeness and completeness between you two, I I, I bet if I asked you, do you want that with that person, your friend, your family member, your spouse, uh, you know, whoever it is, I bet you the answer would be yes. Why not? Of course. Why wouldn't you want to be reconciled with somebody where your relationship has probably been good? The whole definition of reconciliation is, if, is this. It's when uh, something that was whole, broken apart, is now put together. Now, if I ask you to think about relationships where it was together at one point, and yet for whatever reason there was division, there was polarization, there was a disagreement, especially in the last year and a half, and if I ask you, do you want that to get better, the answer would absolutely be yes. But the reality is this. Everybody wants peace, but nobody wants to make peace. Everybody wants peace, wholeness, reconciliation, a restoration in every one of those broken relationships, especially if that relationship ever meant anything to you all to to begin with. You want peace. I want peace. But rarely do we ever want to be the one to make it, especially, especially if we believe that that person has hurt us or wronged us or done something bad to us then we don't want to be the the maker of peace. Now, a moment of vulnerability here. There's a lot of teachings of Jesus that I simply do not like. If I'm just being honest with you, it's challenging, it's difficult. I don't like it. And the one that we find here in Matthew 5 is probably one of the top imperatives or commands or directives that I don't like blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And maybe you can resonate with this. Because here's how I feel oftentimes. I, I oftentimes, if I'm being honest, I feel a sense of entitlement. Why should I be the one to initiate wholeness and shalom and peace when that person has done me wrong? I, I'm, I shouldn't say Sorry. I shouldn't be the one to ask for forgiveness. I shouldn't want to, you know, make our relationship better. That person hurt me. We have a sense of entitlement. Maybe it's just sheer pride and ego. And that's something even within my own marriage I've been working on. It's to utter the words, I'm sorry. And if you're anything like me, maybe you also have an issue with this. But I know I do. Maybe it's your own stubbornness. Maybe it's a delusional perspective of the situation. Maybe it's even a delusional perspective of your own self and the part you play in any type of conflict. Because as anyone knows, that within any conflict, it takes two to tango. And yet we have a hard time to want to make shalom. For whatever reason. See, everybody wants peace. Everybody wants shalom in your relationships, but rarely do we want to be the one to make it. In fact, 
I would even say we often do the opposite. If somebody hurts you, what do you do? Or you hurt them back. If somebody gossips about you, what do you do? You gossip back. If somebody puts you down, what do you do? You return the favor. If somebody gives you the silent treatment, what do you do? You turn into a competition on who can, who can last the longest. And there's nothing new. This is nothing new. It's a human condition. We've seen this all throughout the history of humanity. And particularly in today's text in Matthew chapter 5. You see, when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he was teaching his disciples at this time. And again, one of the most famous, one of the most important sermons in all of the world and all of history, the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon about Jesus sharing with his followers, okay, if you want to be kingdom people, if you want to be my followers, if you want to experience life and not just life to its fullest, here is the way to live. Here is the best way to live. You know, there's that saying, uh, hey, I'm just living my best life. Or, hey, you just live your best life. And Jesus is saying, it's literally, if you want to live the best life, here is how you should live and how you should treat people. And one of those says, you should be a peacemaker. It's a sermon about Jesus sharing with his followers what it looks like to live a best life. And if you follow Jesus, and he says, if you follow me, and when you make shalom, when you be the one to make shalom, you will be blessed. And often this word blessed is oftentimes translated so, so lightly and so fluffy, fluffily. It's not a word. But the original intent of this word, it's this Greek word, markyrios, and it's, it's deeper than just, just happiness. It's an unshakable feeling of content, not dictated by any outside circumstances. It's someone who just feels constant joy. No matter what the world does or says, and we've all met these kind of people, right? And sometimes we just totally hate them for it. Not really. But those that just show up, and the way that show up in the world into their meetings, into work, into their family, into dinner, into friendship gatherings, they're just happy. And and you know that it's authentic, too, because you can always smell fakeness from a mile away. But these are the people that you know, especially those that claim to follow Jesus, that walk in and they just ooze this sense of peace and joy that no matter what is happening around them, yes, they have feelings, yes, they have emotions that are wired that way, yet you just, there's this non-anxious presence, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, you're experienced Mercurios, this blessing. One of my favorite theologians and, and commentators, his name is William Barclay, he says this, Mercurios then describes a joy which has its secret within itself. This joy which is serene and untouchable, you're talking about Mercurios, to be blessed, it's self-contained. And this joy which is completely independent of all the, ch- ch- of all the chances and the changes of life. And he says the Beatitudes 
speak of that joy which seeks, which seeks us, this joy that seeks us through our pain. It's a joy which sorrow and loss and pain and grief are powerless to touch. This kind of joy, mercurios, which shines through tears and which is nothing, and which nothing in life or death can take away. This is what Jesus means by blessed are you. This is the life you will live. This was the life that you will receive when you pursue and make peace. He says, but to live a blessed life like this, then you need to be a person who makes peace. In other words, we need to be the kind of people that decides to take the first step. The ones who offer forgiveness first. The ones who initiate the reconciliation process first. The ones that choose to just simply listen first. This is Jesus' command. This is Jesus' desires and wishes for all of his followers. And this was countercultural uh, during Jesus' time. During Jesus' time, this was the first century when there's Roman occupation, the Roman rule. They were oppressing the Jewish people, treating them like second-class citizens, persecuting them, uh, taxing them unfairly, telling them what they can do, where to live, physically, even with violence hurting them. And during the same time, there was a, a group of Jewish zealots that wanted to cause an uproar against the Roman soldiers and to literally, with violence, kill them. And there was a name for them. They were called the Sakari, which is translated into dagger men. These Jewish zealots, they wanted to raise a, 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 an uproar of, of vigilantes and to actually hurt and cause harm and to kill the people that were oppressing them. Really, Jesus' own people, Jesus' community. And in the midst of that, can you imagine the, the countercultural, almost offensive declaration that Jesus gives in the midst of all the violence that is going towards the Jewish people? And during the time when the Jewish people are causing an uprise with violence and weapons, Jesus steps in right in the middle and says, there's a different way. There's a better way to live. And the better way to live is this, to seek and to make peace. And what is so radical about that is it's not just an absence of conflict. It's not just, hey, just stay out of it. Hey, it's not just, hey, stop doing that. It's an extra step further. Not only do I want you to not be violent and not fight back evil with evil, but it's actually taking a step further and say, I want you to make peace, wholeness, do whatever you can to restore a relationship so the cracks and the blemishes and the brokenness is no longer there. And now you are one whole piece. That's Jesus' command. That's what Jesus wanted for his people. Can you believe that? The audacity of Jesus. Do you see what's happening to your people, Jesus? And you want us to not only just create an absence of peace, but you want us to do what it takes to thrive in this relationship? This was the backdrop. And like I said, I wish peace just meant an absence of conflict. That would be so much easier. 
what it is. Just say you're sorry and just walk away. Just stop talking to someone. Just give someone the silent treatment. Just say, hey, you know what? I understand. No big deal. And just walk away. so much easier, but Jesus in his upside down kingdom in his radical way of life calls us to live radically in the same way. He calls us to be agents, to be makers, to be bringers, to be creators, to be cultivators uh, of wholeness. Even, and listen to this, even against and with and towards the people that have caused you pain and hurts. Jesus forgives the people who nailed him on the cross. He says, God, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus says to love your enemies. That's one of the verses I can't stand. I wish Jesus never said that. But he did. He says, forgive those who have wronged you. And there's a story where his disciple says, should we forgive seven whole times? And he says, no. You need, to, you need to forgive seven times 77. And no, that's not literal. That doesn't mean to forgive only, I'm not a mathematician, seven times, 77 times. What Jesus is saying, ultimately, forgive always, unconditionally, endlessly. This is what it means to live as kingdom people who become blessed. In Colossians Chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All of us, we are in the ministry of reconciliation to make things right, especially with those around us. And God gave, in verse 19 it says, uh, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation as well. The point what Paul is saying in Colossians is that Jesus' life, death, and and resurrection on the cross was what he did for us. So that, so that we may also experience wholeness, not only wholeness within ourselves, but wholeness with God and with others. And it's out of that same sacrifice that Jesus laid on the cross on our behalf that Jesus is calling us to do the same thing with others, especially in a time like this. Who are the people that you need to make a phone call to today? Who is the person you need to have coffee with this week? Because earlier I asked you to mentally just name those people. And maybe it's time. And before we end, I just want to make this one caveat. That peacemaking, to create this sense of shalom, peacemaking is very different from from appeasing or peacekeeping. God calls us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. And there's a big difference. As you heard Taylor talk about at Bethany, uh, we have a ministry called MRJ, our Ministry uh, of Racial Justice and Reconciliation. Again, led by our own worship pastor, Taylor Greer. And the whole point of this ministry is to actually tell the truth 
around what we've experienced and what we are experiencing in this, in this part of the world, in our, in our own city, the systemic racism, the hatred, the violence. And the whole point of this ministry is to just tell the truth, to name the injustices that we see within our own church and even outside the walls of our church. And when we do that, it may not be a, a fluffy message. It may not even create an absence of conflict. It may sometimes create more. And yet, it's a way to bring about shalom in a society towards, towards and for those in society where the systems and power structures have continually oppressed and marginalized. So I end with this. What if 2021 was a year of division? But what if starting now, this year becomes a year of peacemaking, starting with you and me and our church? And it says that we will be children of God. Blessed are those that are peacemakers, for they will be children of God. It's a Hebrew idiom for people where we know, where we identify with where we come from. So while the rest of the world says to fight back, Jesus says to seek and make peace. May you do that today, this week, and forevermore. Let's pray. God, thank you. Even for your challenging message to, to call us and to be peacemakers. God, help us to swallow our pride, our entitlement, our ego, our stubbornness, and help us to look to you for the strength to make that phone call, to talk to that person, and to seek restoration and wholeness, a true shalom in our relationships, especially after this year. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's continue in worship.